Shut up and sit down. Tonight is our night to send a message to everyone in the league. We take three points here and we go up. This is the 90 Plus Podcast, part of the Sports Talk Line Network. It's okay in two weeks because tonight we're getting so drunk that tomorrow we're not going to be able to play. Now, here are your hosts, Ben Rigetti and Joshua Griffith. Episode 69 nice. of the 90 Plus Podcast. It's your favorite Whitecaps podcasting duo, Ben Rigetti and Joshua Griffith on the mic as always providing just the content that we desperately so try to give our wonderful listeners so thank you for always sticking by our sides and hopefully you'll be sticking with the white caps after a little bit not necessarily abysmal but not a not a performance to write home about uh on the weekend that not a not nice 2-1 loss in houston against the dynamo the Dynamo really didn't do well last year. They haven't made really any roster changes, but of course they'd go on to beat the Vancouver Whitecaps. Ben Rigetti and Josh Griffith, episode 69 of the 90 plus podcast. Nice. Brought to you by the Sports Talk Line Network. And before we dive into that 2-1 loss and what we saw and what we think and what we hope and dream of what we can only see this upcoming Sunday against LA, it would be rude of me to go any further without reintroducing my wonderful co-host as always on Vancouver Island, Joshua Griffith. How you doing, buddy? I am doing fantastic, but I think I need to get a little bit mad and send some DMS to our last <laughs> guest on our yeah. uh, Houston Dynamo preview episode, episode 68, Victor Areza, because he, he said Darwin Contero was not going to do anything. He was a super sub off the bench and he started and absolutely crushed the Whitecaps. And I was so worried about that. I Like, we've watched him kill the Whitecaps year after year for Minnesota. And I was like, I was so worried. And he's like, no, no, Darwin Cotero is nothing. He's not going to do anything. You don't have to worry about him. It's other players. And he crushed us. Again, I think we may have to look for more Whitecaps friendly guests, Josh, when we when we do these <laughs> these preview shows. We may have to start screening them a little bit before we press the record button. Do a, well, a fake 10 minute little episode without recording. <laughs> well, he did. I, I, I loved it because he went with me and he went with a zero zero scoreline. So I was uh, like, okay, he thinks it's really, you know, like not... Um, not pessimistic much. yeah um i was looking for the the you know the, the optim from or the opposite optimistic for, yeah uh the, op, op, the opposite one from optimistic and uh, pessimistic. You know, he was very pessimistic about about go. the match and and thought the uh the scoreline was going to be zero zero as well as i did and it just wasn't that um houston showed up it looked good but i did i did like a lot of what the white caps did so i'm I'm kind of excited to talk about that today from a Whitecaps perspective because Lucas Cavalini looked good. Ryan Gold's starting to show up. A couple mm-hmm. other players that I, you know, would like to talk about today. I think it would be even ruder for us to go any further into this episode without mentioning the name Pedro Vite. First MLS start. 
was looking fantastic out there. He was making these great passes. He was dropping his shoulder and beating defenders. He was doing some dirty work defensively, a lot of backtracking from that attacking mid position. Obviously, he, uh, well, not obviously unless you didn't watch the game or you're not on social media, which where you can find us at 90 plus podcast on both Instagram and Twitter. Uh, but Pedro Vite had a great uh, first few minutes uh, before a concussion protocol substitution forced him off, forced the Whitecaps to bring on Javane Brown and revert back into a 3-4-1-2 uh, which is what we saw against NYCFC. And it's a shame because Vite, obviously he's young. He's a big question mark because we obviously we didn't see him at all last year due to visa issues and work permits and this, that, and the other. And then all of a sudden, you know, it's, oh, it's Ryan Gold's attack. You know, you, know, you can't dethrone Ryan Gold. Well, that's fair, but you can start Pedro Vite alongside him. You're not dethroning him. You're co-throning, I guess, if you want to, put it i don't even think that's a real term but pedro viti as i you know i think a lot of people are really impressed and in those first 10 15 minutes that he played before picking up that uh, that concussion uh protocol uh substitution there i think a lot of people are really impressed and i think that was the first real glimpse of what he's going to be able to accomplish as a white cap and i thought he was absolutely fantastic um, so we got subbed out in the 24th minute, obviously. It looked like from what I saw watching back the match, it came in about the 19th minute. Mm-hmm. He had a header on the um, on the touchline, down on the left side if you were watching the match. And looked to, to maybe knock heads with a Houston defender. And he put, he put up his hand in a way that spots the the MLS officials. So we got quick confirmation from the Vancouver Whitecaps um, media, which was great. Thank you very much for them. They're absolutely fantastic. Getting all that information out very quick. And um, he was subbed off for a concussion protocol initiative. And it looks like that because the way that he raised his hand and kind of signaled to the bench, that was what signaled it to the spotters. So beyond that, Vanny Sartini had no say in bringing him on or off. If you noticed, if you listened to the, the broadcast, they mentioned that the Vancouver Whitecaps weren't going to be docked for a substitution. They still had all five of their substitutions, which I think is a great thing that the mm-hmm. Major League Soccer has done for concussion protocol initiatives because – Concussions are a huge deal. It doesn't matter what sport you're in, and especially soccer when you're when you're heading balls like these balls are like fired off at yeah. crazy speeds, and they just head them away. And they're like, oh, it's out for a corner, but you don't think, well, maybe that that just rattles his brain a bit. Oh, so, yeah. as disappointing as it was to see Pedro Vite in his first start for the Vancouver Whitecaps come off so early, it was good to see that. Major League Soccer is is taking some great initiatives for player safety and protocol. So I didn't mind that aspect, but oh man, what we saw, uh, oh, Ben. Uh, uh, this we is saw, a word. This we, is a word that I. I this is a word that I scarce. Josh, shut up and listen to me. Josh, Josh, shut up and listen to me. This is this is a word that I so scarcely use. Describing the Vancouver Whitecaps. Josh, 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 I'm talking. You can talk. 
I am. Please, you can please be listen. silent. But I can't You're, hear your Pedro Vite amazing. Okay, you undo, you undo your headphones because I, ha- I have to say this. Josh, this is Ragnarok. Oh, okay. oh, there we go. So you were muted. I, that's what I thought. I was muted? Like, oh, I wasn't. I was talking the whole time. Oh, I, I, just thought you, I just thought you wanted me to just fire up the Pedro Vite. No, I, I'm telling you I to be quiet. To... I'm telling you to be quiet so I oh. can do it. <laughs> no, I don't... So <laughs> Me and Banner, we're, we're just figuring, we're, we're still new to our podcast stuff, so I didn't quite get his shut up and let me <laughs> praise Pedro Vite um, hand yeah. signal. So I'll, I'll let him go. I'm pointing at the screen. Here we go. I'm going to actually mute myself right now. Okay. This is a word that I so scarce. Thank you for muting yourself. This is You should do that more often. <laughs> This is a word that I so scarcely use surrounding the Vancouver Whitecaps. Pedro Vite was fun. He he wasn't efficient. He was he was flashy in a good sense, but he was you know I, I think back to like Alfonso Davies. You know, very rarely do you see strikers that are fun. They're efficient. They put the ball in the net. They do well. Wingers, you know, David Caicedo. He just shows it in flashes. Same with Dahomey. You thinking back to like Christian Tachera. Uh, Nicholas Mesquita, that sort of creative shifty. This is all of those sorts of players all into one in Pedro Vite. He's tall, he's athletic, he's good on the ball. He's he's got that that flair, and he was just fun, man. I it was it put a smile. There was a point in the first ten minutes. He he dropped a shoulder and got past his man in his own half and took the ball ten yards up and made a pass. Uh, out to the wing to Dahomey, and that was just that was just great. It was just, and it's. I don't know if it's a bad thing that it's that is what excites me about someone wearing a white caps jersey. It's just simple, a nice you know progressive pass that finds its target and that starts a counter attack. But it was great. He, he he did all the small things well, and again, this is an extremely small sample size. He was on for less than twenty five minutes. He that was his first MLS start. We didn't see him at all with the team last year. Is that how he really is, or is that how he just raised his game for his first MLS start? Nobody really knows, I guess. But I think just one way or another, Pedro Vite, that 25-minute small sample size was very fun for Whitecaps fans, and that's something that we rarely, rarely get to see and say about this team. Thank you for to... thank you for unmuting, Josh. You're, 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 you're welcome, welcome. back. No, no, I would I, yeah, I, I let you have your rant, and I... I completely agree with it, Ben, because Pedro Vita was so fun and I feel so bad for the kid. And you could tell he was oh, frustrated yeah. coming off. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he made a mistake. I hope that we will um, we'll, we'll find that out in the uh, in the week coming when we speak to Vanny Sartini for media on Thursday. But um, it, yeah, oh, he, he um, was so much... One one key pass, two tackles, three dribbles in in what twenty minutes? Twenty two, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, like, and I think, well, I think it was a little bit less because you know how um, Pierre Luc Lazoué uh, likes to uh, run the clock a little bit. Um, I, I I don't want to comment on the the officiating today. I think um, Lucas Cavallini commented enough on that in his post game media, but uh, we. We don't need to bring that up because 
we we'd like to be a um you know podcast in good stature with mls so mm-hmm. and especially when one of the white caps pool reporters is yourself over on vancouver island yes you know, absolutely we, we don't want to get that uh privileged uh right provoked or uh revoked i guess would be the word but okay. you know you, you mentioned luke sorry god this just show is a mess of course it's episode 69 nice. um yes <laughs> Jesus. Um, Lucas Cavallini, you brought him up. Let's dive into Lucas Cavallini. Obviously, he got the the only Whitecaps goal, the only Whitecaps goal of the season so far. So he's opened his account. Good to see him back on the score sheet, playing with a lot of confidence and rightly, rightfully so. He, I think he had a pretty good showing overall. Um, yeah, he, he got a, a deserved goal. And again, with Brian White hopefully coming back soon, we don't know. Um but with Brian White's uh, making his way back to the lineup at some point, and again, with this ever-changing three-at-the-back system, we don't know if it's going to be one striker or two, if we're going to go into wingers and the lone striker. We don't know what we're going to get next week with Vanny Sotini, and part of that, his hand has just been forced due to injuries and red cards and this, that, and the other. Um, but Lucas Cavallini, he scored, I think, he had a pretty good game. I think he had a slow start. And that ever since he scored, once he scored that goal, his performance elevated from there. He had a few more chances, didn't have all too much service. And that's not, you know, that's not on him uh, per se. And I think the, uh, if they had stuck with Vite and Golds, obviously if it wasn't for Vite's uh, injury, but if they had stuck with that Vite and Golds with the overlapping fullbacks, I think that was uh, a great cause for success. And it was looking good in the opening stages. So I was quite impressed and from what I saw from Cavallini uh, overall. I was too. And I think that he's made major steps in every match this season. And he's yeah. looked really looked really lamed up in the first match. He wasn't doing much. He was, he was really sitting in his one position, just, just high waiting for balls to come in, waiting for a service of any kind. In the, in the second match against NYCFC, he started to come back a little bit more, wanted that ball. And then, and then we saw against Houston Dynamo on Saturday, he was coming back and he was trying to make plays. Yeah. And, Mar- and, you know, and Vanny Sartini really talked about it with um, some of his praise for Lucas Cavalini about how he was coming back and he was working on getting that one touch and then sprinting up and getting in position for some kind of a cross or some kind of a run. And I think we really saw that at Lucas Cavallini. I think he had probably the best game out of any white cap on Saturday against the Dynamo. I mean, if, if people want to argue with that, then I'd like, you, yeah. you know, you know what my Twitter is. We we've announced it already. <laughs> I'd love to see you argue with me about that, but I think Lucas Cavallini was the best white cap. And I think his time with the, Canadian national team has has shown what like an extra fitness like I was thinking yeah. about today Ben and I was really thinking that Ryan Gold and some of these other players they really look like they've been not in football action for the last two months as opposed to some of these yeah. players that have been playing for national teams and you know mm-hmm. like Javane Brown like he had a he had a really terrible game the first game but Good. He has looked actually in shape. He's looked in form where some mm-hmm. of these players like Ryan Gold and 
you know, Leonard Owusu, Russell Tybear, like what they were, they were absolutely invisible last game. Like, they, they, yeah, they up to fitness? Yeah, like, and, and that was a big part of what everyone was hooting and hollering about Lucas Cavallini in training camp was he showed up first day and he looked very in shape. He looked yeah. muscular. He was fit. He was running laps around everyone else in the field. And that's what, got every, you know, I, I only made it to one tra- uh, uh, practice session, this training camp. And, and so far this whole season, just between school and this and that. Um, but you know, I, I missed it the first day, but Lucas Cavallini was there the second day. And all I heard from every reporter that was there was Lucas Cavallini, man, watch out for this guy this year, especially in the early going when you've got defenders and midfielders who maybe are out of shape and, you know, on the opposition that maybe haven't been playing national team games and that haven't played a competitive full 90 minute match since, you know, November, October. So, you know, that's why everyone was saying, look out for Lucas Cavallini because he's in, you know, arguably the best shape of his life and you can see it. And, you know, you talked to Vanni Sartini after the game, Josh, in the, the post media scrum uh, and you chatted with him about uh, Cavallini. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and one of the things that I asked him, I, I mentioned the, the play of Cavallini because I, I noted that in the last two matches, the strikers weren't really, or the strikers were going, like he, he was going and, and Daber Saito on, on a certain level were going, but it, we weren't really seeing him up to the midfield. And I just wanted to know what his, his play of the midfield and, and what he thought of Lucas Cavallini. And he was, he was very, very praising of of his yeah. Canadian striker, and you know, like he he loves to talk about it. He loves all of his work coming back and mm-hmm. just making plays in two. And I think that the fact that he was able to go the full ninety minutes, because that's, that's something that yeah, we're always kind of wondering about Lucas Cavalier, right? He's like, oh, you know, he's, mm-hmm. we can get 60, 60 minutes out of him. And then he also mentioned too that in the second half, the the way that he he pressed. He was really, he really loved that. Um, he thought he pressed really well and they should have had, you know, the, the full three points. They should have had more opportunities to score and put it in the back of the net. They had that one great chance that was blocked right on the line. But uh, yeah, he was very praising of his Canadian strike. So let's hear that clip now. We've got it. We'll play it for you in just a second here. Here is Vanny Sartini talking about what he saw from Lucas Cavallini against Houston. Lucas Cavallini seems to be getting better and better each match. What did you think of his game? Well, you know, playing and being uh, fit, of course, helps. And uh, we tried also to make a setup that was... Uh, uh, I would say helping his characteristics, so not doing uh, uh, like a kind of uh, high pressing, but starting with a little lower line in order for him to uh, not consume all the energy when we don't have the ball and be able to be uh, our point of reference in the box. I think he did it well in some part of the game. In some other part of the game, uh, he drifted too much uh, right and left. And we didn't have him in the box, but uh, you know, he's co- when when a striker score, win wins the duel, and uh, he had also another couple of uh, heading in the box. Uh, I think his his performance was uh, was uh, was positive for sure. 
So that was Vanny Sartini talking about what he saw from his big DP striker up front, Lucas Cavallini, obviously getting the, the first Whitecaps goal of the game and the season in that 2-1 loss against Houston on Saturday. And for Cavallini, I mean, we mentioned it just before we heard from Sartini there. We mentioned how he came to training camp and, you know, he said he, he's not listening to the media and what fans are saying. He's, you know, he's just put his head down, ear to the ground, and he's just working hard. And, you know, he, he's, he's doing what he can to not be distracted by anything else going on around him. And, you know, like you say, as we've said a few times on the show over the last few episodes, the World Cup has got to be in the back of his mind because this is a once in a lifetime uh, thing for anyone in and around the Canadian national team. And he's not a given to make that, to make that squad. He's a great player. And, you know, he, he, we see him get minutes sometimes, or he'll be on the bench and come on for the last five minutes or so, but I'm sure he'd love an increased role and his confidence right now, despite his team being, you know, one point out of a possible nine to open the season, you know, individually you've got to imagine he's in quite a good place right now absolutely ben you gotta think that he's in a great place we we talked to him in person for media for the first time after the home match against nycfc last saturday uh, we got to talk to him on zoom and he was you know joking poking at the referees and you know he, he was just talking about just what's what's going right with the team and how they deserve three points he wasn't focusing on any negative and something that i i asked him and i was like well you and mark desat or sorry you and vanny sartini <laughs> oh okay. terrible you and vanny sartini mentioned the same thing about how you you know you thought this team deserved three points mm-hmm. well like what's the mentality in the locker room after this because Especially after a result like this, where if you, if everyone thinks that you deserve three points, well, it might be a little bit uneasy and people may be judging people or, or pointing fingers. But it really sounded like from what Lucas Cavallini said that everybody was just, okay, we have so much positives to focus on after this match. It's only the third match of the season. We have 31 to go. It's a long season. I think Fanny Sartinson mentioned something about you. We're going to get 50. We need to get 50 more points. So, like, if anyone is questioning how long the season is still, yeah, we're talking 50-plus points. So it was great to hear from him how positive he was about the locker room and how everyone was uh, just on board for what the Whitecaps can do this season. And we've got that quote. And from you talking to Lucas Cavallini, just hearing about the mentality after a game like that, where, like you say, some people could have seen that maybe the Whitecaps deserved the full three points. We'll discuss more on that after we hear from uh, Cavallini here. But here's Cavallini after that Houston match to talk about what he and the guys were feeling. I guess uh, something both you and Vanny said is he thought you guys deserve three points. What's the, the mentality in the locker room after a match like this? Uh, I mean, no one has their heads down. 100% heads heads are up right now. Uh, I mean, I think we showed uh, a lot of attitude, character today. So, uh, I mean, to lose a game, I mean, you could lose a game. But, I mean, just you can't lose... Uh, 
giving up, you know what I mean? And we didn't give up until the last minute. We were constantly trying to attack, to create chances, and unfortunately, uh, we couldn't get the tie. Uh, if that one that was cleared off the line went in, I mean, I think we would have ended up winning the game. But I mean, this is this is football, and that's how it is. Um, a lot of disagreements with uh, with some calls there. Um, <laughs> it's always tough with Canadian teams. I don't know. I don't know why. I think they don't really they dislike us. But I mean, whatever. It is what it is. Uh, I'm not going to make any excuses right now. But uh, yeah, I think we deserve to win the game. That was Lucas Cavallini after Saturday's 2-1 loss against Houston in Houston, still searching for that first win of the season. And it's coming. I'm sure, you know, A, it's got to happen at some point. B, we're like you said just before we heard from Cavallini there, Josh, we're only a few games in. We've got a long, wild and unpredictable season still to go. And, you know, kind of coming off the back of that, it's three games in. And, and, and that game against Houston there, you, you, you mentioned that you feel like the Whitecaps des- arguably deserved the full three points. I'm going to play not quite devil's advocate. I'm going to say I think a draw would have been fair. I think it would have been harsh for Houston to have not picked up anything out of that game. Um, and I think for Vancouver, they looked good in spells. I think those first 20 uh, plus minutes with Vite and Gold working behind Cavallini. With, I mean, that's how the goal came from with Gold. Uh, I think it was Tiber and Dahome down the right side, a lovely passing exchange on the right and the cross into Lucas Cavallini. And there's going to be very few people out there who's going to kind of out-muscle and out-duel Lucas Cavallini for a, a ball coming that's been whipped into the box. So I I think three points to Vancouver would be harsh for Houston. And I think the full three points to Houston maybe doesn't justify some of the positives that we saw from Vancouver. And, you know, Houston realistically is most likely a team that we're not going to have to worry about in the playoff race uh, down the stretch. You know, chances are they're going to be, at least in my mind, and what we heard from Victor Erasia last episode on 68, chances are they could be hanging around the basement of the Western Conference. So this isn't a team that, oh, it would be different if it was Minnesota or a Colorado or Real Salt Lake or someone of that sort of nature where we're going to be competing for that kind of five, six, seven, eight spots in the West. So are, so you are, are you worried? Not worried, but I'm. So if, if, if there's a, I guess, I guess not, if, if there's, guess a, if there's an alarm for, to be worried, if there was, if I, I'm not pounding the alarm, I'm not pulling the siren. I guess I'm, not I, I, I'm, I'm my, I'm wheeling my chair back. So I'm getting ready to step up and walk over to the alarm to say that I'm worried because through three games, it's been, I think four shots on goal it's been one goal scored and six conceded. Granted, two of them were against the last two MLS Cup champions. But I feel like this Houston game is maybe a sign of not necessarily a playoff hangover, but a little bit of an awakening of... And again, I, we, I've mentioned this, uh, I think, after the Columbus game, that there were shades of last season that the Whitecaps absolutely got lucky in that second half of the season. There were games that they didn't deserve to win, that they were able to come away with a, a, a victory. I think back to mm-hmm. that 2-1 home game against Kansas City where they were heavily on the back foot. 
I think back to that Portland game when they were down 2-0 and uh, I think it was a pair of penalties that put them and they ended to go on and win that game. There were definitely points that, and again, in the first half of the season, the Whitecaps got unlucky. So it all balances itself out, but I feel like maybe we were kind of, and again, this isn't for sure. And this is very early in the season. And I don't want to say, I don't believe in this team and that last year was a fraud. And there's, that's not really who that team is. I've, there's a lot of success to come for this team, but it's these games against Houston that I feel like it really should have been, at the very least, a better showing. If you could scrape a two, I never saw them kick it into another gear. They went down to one, and I'm looking at the substitutions here. When they went down to one, they brought on Caicedo, who is a ga- who is a game changer. Uh-huh. Marcus Godinho, who yet to be seen what he can do. Yeah. Ryan Raposo with six minutes to go, uh, who, correct me if I'm wrong, he's yet to score an MLS goal. Uh, you're correct on that. And then also and, and a then, very uh, extremely offensive sub, bringing him on for Ranko Veselinovich. Yeah, yeah, which is true. And, and that's what you've got to do. You're down again. You've, was- you, you've got to throw everything. I mean, though, and I think it was uh, Paul Dolan on the TSM broadcast saying, there's a slight aspect of you that says Ranko Veselinovich is the tallest player in the park. Why not park him in the Houston in and around the 18 yard box and just have him up there to try win some balls. But that's fine. I'm not going to cross that bridge and get into the tactics of that. And you bring on to St. Ricketts in the 91st minute when there's three minutes of stoppage time. St. Ricketts is going to have no impact in two minutes of a game where he's no. been sitting for 91 minutes cold. Ryan Raposo has never scored an MLS goal and you're relying on him to come in and save this game. I understand that there's no Brian White and I understand that Pedro Vite was taken off injured. I understand that. But there have got to be more, not necessarily attacking substitutions, but finishers. more, there more finishers. finishers. There's, I mean, I, I like, and, you know, and this is where... Uh, David Egbo, who's gone out on loan, who I, you know, I've been a big fan of, and I know you are too, Josh. He was your breakout, breakthrough player of the year. I'm not sure. Breakthrough that, player break, of the year, yeah. And obviously, yeah. we are going to have to repick our names. Maybe we'll come yes, back to that in a couple Cam of weeks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Who also who who went out on loan and he scored a goal in his first uh, showing for Pacific in a, a friendly against Uvic. I know it's a friendly, and and it was a very excessive goal celebration oh, for. Yes. Uh, but it, you know, it's it's just worth mentioning. You know, that uh, uh, just putting that out there. But you know, you've got Simon Betcher, you've got David Egbo. You know, like it, there just has to be more, you know, like um, to St. Ricketts with two minutes to go and Ryan Raposo with six minutes to go. That's not going to cut it. I, I like bringing on David Caicedo with like 30, like 25 ish minutes to go that I like. But Godinho, and I know that I obviously the Brown substitution was because of an injury and that's different. And probably that definitely changes the game plan. But the substitution method, I just, and again, like losing Theo Bear. You're sending away David Egbo on loan, Simon Betcher, Cam Habibu. You know, again, Cam ha- hasn't done all too much at an MLS level consistently, but there's just got to be more options out there. And Brian White's injury doesn't help. Pedro Vito's injury doesn't help that cause, but there just has got to be more out there. And bring it on Ricketts with two minutes to go and Raposo with six minutes to go. That, those aren't substitutions 
that's just for fresh legs. Those aren't game winners. Those aren't game changers. That's someone's tired. Let's bring on someone more offensive minded. That's all it is. And that can't be happening against Houston, a team that finished last place in the Western conference last year, a team that has made the playoffs. What did Victor say? One in like the last six, seven seasons. Well, I think, I think it was seven seasons. This is a team that's historically struggled and Vancouver, for whatever reason, has historically struggled when playing Houston, especially in Houston, always seem to be a bit, all of those Texas teams, Dallas as well, seem to be just a bit of a bogey team. But putting all of that aside, you look at it on paper, on the field, Ryan Raposo with six minutes to go to St. Ricketts with, you know, in stoppage time with two minutes to go. Those aren't guys that are going to change the game and salvage a point against a team that at the very least you should already be drawing against in that stage. The injury to Brian White has done so much more damage to the Vancouver Whitecaps lineup than I think the fans or even the team originally thought that it would. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, you just mentioned some of the players that they moved off from or moved on loan. Brian White was that, that player that linked up so well with Ryan Gold last year. At the end of the season, you had Lucas Cavallini was firing on all cylinders. They had this plan for the Three, four, one, two. It was going to be beautiful. Brian White and Lucas Cavallini up top. Mm-hmm. You had Deber Casado. You had two St. Ricketts coming off the bench. You had the wingbacks. Maybe if you're not going to use Christian Dahomey on the wing, you can sub him in up top as a striker. And like three games into the season, there's catastrophe with injuries and just lineup problems. And it's just the strikers. Like, the midfield's been completely healthy for the most part. Everybody yeah. else has been completely healthy. Seb Bearhalter has been a great addition to that midfield as well. Yeah. We haven't said his name a whole lot since he was brought in, as it was just a cheap deal, and we weren't sure realistically how much playing time he was going to get. But with uh, Kayo still out injured, I, he, he's been an excellent off-the-bench option to kind of secure up the middle of the park. And then, too, like in the middle of the park, Thunder Wusu and Russell Tiber, they're not doing anything spectacular on offense. They're not no. making key passes. They're not, but they're solidifying the black line of three and, and helping them. I thought they looked really good against Houston, the back line. They, they did. They did. Yeah. Uh, um, and this is something that I have thought about during the off season and the last three games has kind of almost not reassured me, but kind of like put it back into my brain. Like, Oh, this is something I'm gonna, I am gonna continue to watch for. Vanny Sartini, we, we love him so much. Obviously, he's so eccentric and he's he's so impossible not to love. And Andiamo. He, Andiamo dai dai dai, all the way through. And the king of commercial drive, all of that. Vancouver loves him. But he and again, this is just something that last year he found success in that three four one two. He was thrown in with two days before uh, I think it was against Real Salt Lake was his first game in charge uh, at home. He was thrown in like two three days before, and he has to come up with a starting eleven. He quickly found this three four one two that he liked that worked and that stuck, and rightfully so. You find something that works, you ride the hot hand until it doesn't work anymore. They lost in the playoffs. Okay. Not necessarily time to reset, but time to overlook everything. He had the full off season, and for and we've got a great center back core. We've mentioned time and time again, 
Jungworth. Blackman's been absolutely excellent. Nowinski's done a great job at transitioning to a center back. Godoy, when he's healthy. Uh, Ranko, Javane Brown can slot in there as well. Uh, Campania, Faccarini, young players as well too. So there's a lot of depth at the center back spot, but that doesn't mean you have to use as many as you can in one go. I think, and 4-3-3, is something that we were clamoring for at the end of Mark DeSantis's time in Vancouver. We got Ryan Golden, and all of a sudden we had the cam. We had the big striker who could knock the ball in. We had wingers in uh, Dahomey and Caicedo. We had box-to-box midfielders in Tiber, Awusu, Bikel. Now we've got Kayo. We've got Baldissimo. We've got Berhalter. You know, Gutierrez is great at left-back, and I really want to see him... It's just something because we haven't really seen him all that much in a four at the back as purely just a left back role. We've seen him at that wing back. We've seen him on the right side inverted with Dahomey, but we haven't seen all too much of him at just a standard left back spot. And then we've got Javane Brown. Jake Nowinski can go back to his more kind of, you know, natural right back spot. We've got so many great center backs, but if with three games in, Again, we've conceded six goals through three games. That's not awful. To a game, that's not the end of the world with a new goalkeeper. Tristan Blackman's new to the team, and it's the first few games of the season, and you've played a couple of very good teams. That's all good. Right off off the Columbus game. Right off, exactly. Right off the Columbus game, you had uh, uh, obviously a red card in that one as well. So the defense, I'm not fussed about, but if you do have to say, take someone out of the defensive structure to add into the attack to get an extra number forward. I think that's maybe an option Vanny Sartini would maybe like, uh, I would like to see Vanny try because with Mark DeSantis, I mean, you know, we said this before, there's not really that many different players from the end of Mark DeSantos to today. There's Tristan Blackman, there's Seb Berhalter, there's sort of Ryan Gold and Brian White and Florian Jungworth. So this 4-3-3 has a lot of potential, I feel like. And it's just something that on paper made so much sense that we never got to see with Mark DeSantos. And Vanny came in and we started winning and everyone sort of forgot about it because that 3-4-1-2 worked. Now, maybe we're seeing signs of, maybe it's not necessarily not working, but just not working to the same extent as we saw last year. Not time to hit the panic button, but possibly a change in formation to get an extra man into the attack and in that midfield in that sort of 4-3-3 I I don't see it going too poorly considering the quality that we have along the back line in either a back three a back five or a back four I was so opposed to what you were talking about when you first started to talk about it (laughs) I was like no no we're not doing this I love the back three Mm-hmm. Um, Vanny is something that he mentioned a couple of weeks ago that as director of methodology in the last couple of seasons with the White Cats, something he will always has wanted to implement was the back three because it gives them more flexibility with mm-hmm. the wing backs and it provides them, you know, they can give them defensive depth. You can move somebody up a little bit if you need to. Your your midfielders aren't necessarily focused on defending as much as they would be in a four through three. But just the way that you talked about it and what we saw at the end of last game with bringing on, you know, um, sorry, the, uh, the sub for rank, uh, rank of Vesalitovich and, and kind of changing it almost to a four, three, three. I think that you could provide a little bit more flexibility. Like 
you you also still have those two wingbacks because Leonard Owusu and Russell Tiber are such defensive minded midfielders. Mm-hmm. I think that they would, if you if you structured it and you had, and again, and this works so perfectly in the back three because all three of Ranko Blackman and um, Florian Youngworth, and even you know throws it. I think that um, Jake Hermanski could play in the middle of a center back. I wouldn't have any. Yeah. Except, yeah, I wouldn't have any problems with him in that. So you're telling me they couldn't play that and then flank out a little bit and have the midfield drop back. Like that provides so much for offense. And if it, mm-hmm. that's what the white caps are, are trying to do and push the game a little bit and get a little bit more high press, which Vanny again talked about wanting to do. He said he, he loved the second half because the, the team pressed so high and he saw it and they caused problems for Houston. But it was in the first half, they had absolutely nothing. And they were just sitting back. And like, I I think I, I wrote my recap article. I was like, well, Houston plays the ball. I think it's the Simpsons clip when uh, Houston played back to Marego, back to like, it, it, they were yeah. just playing it back to their center backs and back around. Like, it. Uh, yeah. So you, you said something that kind of triggered me a little bit there. And I did, I, I, this is something that I didn't have written down, but I made a, a conscious note that if I got the chance to talk about it today, I would. And you've given me a golden chance here. Okay. You mentioned the flexibility with the wingbacks. We got the goal coming down that right side with the home, eh? All yeah. very good. Very rarely when we saw that flexibility and the ball getting out wide to the wingbacks, so often it was on a counterattack and they had no one inside of them. They had a striker forward and they had a center mid trailing. That flexibility is there and it can work, but it just hasn't been to the effect it absolutely can work and the flexibility and the controlling the flanks, it can work and it, we've seen success from it, but they can't do it consistently and constantly. If they're able to always have someone kind of like that center mid squeezing in with the, the, the wing back, as well as maybe in that, in that exact, in that game we saw against Houston, where you had the two attacking midfielders to start, you had Ryan Gold go off to the right side with Russell Tiber and Dahomey. That is exactly what I'm talking about with a center mid, an attacking mid, and a wing back. The three of them worked brilliantly down that right side. They crossed it into Cavallini, who scored. All of a sudden, you go to this 3 4 1 2, and you've only got that center mid. And then you've just got a long stretch of 20, 30 yards before you get to the strikers up front. That isn't going to cut it for Christian Gutierrez, who's great, but he's not a natural winger like Christian Dahomey is, who can take the ball up the field as naturally as he can. And that's something that we saw Javane Brown struggle with in that first game of really taking the ball up the field and kind of taking the space and progressing the game 20, 30 yards up the field. That's something we saw him struggle with before we even get into his defensive responsibilities from that Columbus game. So that, it, that to me, it, and I saw a heat map of this Houston game and Gutierrez and Dahomey, they're in the middle of the field. And I know they're crisscrossing, oh, everybody. They're, they're, they're crisscrossing back and forth. And I understand you want to invert them, confuse defenders, whatever, that's fine. But you want to control the flanks with wingbacks, but they're playing it more inside than Tiber and Awusu were. 
the, the flexibility the flexibility is there but it's just not coming naturally and you don't want to force something that isn't natural especially in the early stages of the season and this this width and this expansive play that the Whitecaps can play and that have success if done correctly. But when they don't do it correctly, it looks bad. It looks ugly. It looks choppy. And it leaves a lot of people asking questions, just like I am now. Why are they so often in the middle of the field? And I'll tell you why, because that's where the support is. That's where Owusu, Tiber, and Gold are. That's where the wingbacks are coming in and finding those pockets of passes to create and move the ball further. That's why we saw really once that Vitae injury occurred and we had the lone center attack. And this may look bad for uh, those of you listening because I'm using a lot of hand gestures and you guys aren't able to see that. It's just me and Josh. You can see where my hands are going and I'm looking like a madman stringing everything together here. But oh, it, it, this, is, this is getting tweeted out. <laughs> it, 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 it just, those wingbacks, they are, it, it, it should work, but it doesn't because it's not natural. They come into the middle of the field because that's where the support is. And Josh has the heat map up as he's turning his camera around. And this is what I mean. Look, look. And let me see. The, 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 no, I'm, I'm yelling when you're talking about this point because they're all in the middle of the field. We are going to tweet this little clip out here because there's literally like seven players of the Whitecaps that are all within. I, I thought this was a curling graphic that I was looking at. I thought they were curling for the center of the stone right here because... They are all absolutely right in the middle. It's... So we need we need to get some movement from the outside. I know Vanny said he wanted he wanted he wants the the runs. He wants movement from the inside, and he wants to to find those positional players. And we saw it on the one goal. We saw, it, but yes, that you can see it works. It's not as if there's no success, and you're. Sh- you know, throwing, you know, throwing money into a, a, a quarry or whatever the saying is, you know, it has success for 20 minutes. Vite was on that field and there was one extra option going forward for those wingbacks and they scored from it. And it's Ryan Gold, who's very creative and attack minded. It's Christian Dahomey on the flank, who's very smart offensively. He's good on the ball. And Russell Tiber, who's some, sorry, I know you want to cut in here, Josh. And it's Russell Tiber, who's we've seen the leaps and bounds of progression under Vanni Sartini for his attacking play. So all of a sudden you've got all of these pieces working together and you've got Cavallini in the box. It's not Cavallini having to come back and be an option. Cavallini can say, get the ball to me, I'll do the rest. And that's what he did. He scored because they were able to move the ball up the field in numbers with support because of the, they were able to space out and they were able to get wide and use those flanks. Something we've heard so much about, but we've seen so little of here so far in 2022. You are absolutely right that I did want to interject because I don't know if anybody is looking at the, please go to uh, whoscored.com. Shout out to who scored um, a great website, lots of great um, insight and stuff. Christian Dahomey is on the left-hand side of both Lucas Cavallini and Ryan Gold. The closest player he is to is Christian Gutierrez. And I will say, we did see Dahomey go up to striker for... Yes, we did, yeah. 60, 70 minutes of that game. (sighs) Yeah. 
I even think it's not what they're implementing him for. And the the worst part is, is that we know it works because we saw from that goal that if you overload numbers on a certain side and they have support, that these players are creative enough and smart enough to link these passes together. And that that through ball from goal to Dahomey, Dahomey had made his run after he passed the ball to Tiber. It went Dahomey, Tiber, Gold, Dahomey. Dahomey made that first pass and he was gone. Gold was thinking about what he was going to do with the ball before he even had it. He yeah. played that through to Dahomey and he crossed it into Lucas Cavallini. And again, it's Lucas Cavallini in the box. You know what he's going to do. That was everything that we saw last year on their run. Yeah. With, with, with people like complaining, they're like, well, it's just Brian White. They're missing Brian White. Yes, Brian White's a great player, but Lucas Cavallini is doing everything that Brian White was last year yeah. to get that success. And the Whitecaps don't win that game with Brian White either. No. It, it, whether it's Lucas Cavallini or Brian White or some combination of the two of them, the Whitecaps don't come away with three points in Houston if they had that exact, exact same show in re- replacing Cavallini with White. They still come out of this game at best case scenario uh, level with the team that finished last in the Western Conference last year. This was not on Lucas Cavallini at all. No. Um, but now if they say they had both Lucas Kevley and Brian White, which hopefully then it's different. His calf injury can heal a bit. They have the one match against LAFC and then they have the international break. So I don't know. I mean, if, if he's even touch and go for this week of training, I'm saying nope. Mm-hmm. Hold him off, give him, you know, weeks of rest, get him back in there. And I think with with Lucas Caffellini and Brian White up top. Man, that's, that's exciting. That's exciting. Oh, that's exciting. So we've gone on far too much about a game that the Whitecaps didn't even get a point out of. So we'll move on a little bit to some uh, squad news going on around the club. Something we've talked about a lot is the goalkeeping situation. Obviously, Max Capo, the trade to LAFC, who we are playing this upcoming weekend, and we'll have on episode 70... Uh, to be determined, the reporter, but we'll have somebody, as always, to preview that, uh, that LAFC game on Sunday, not on Saturday. Uh, but Thomas Assal, obviously starting goalkeeper for the Whitecaps, brought in Max Rawls as a trialist on preseason. You've only got Isaac Bomer as the backup right now, and it seems like Josh, we may have some news on the goalkeeping front. Yeah, so obviously we got some uh, some word on Twitter from uh, hard journalist the. The great, the one and only, who the person that dresses better than me in the media booth, you can tell I'm a little bit chapped <laughs> about that. She reported on Cody Cropper, uh, a goalkeeper of the Whitecaps, a 29-year-old goalkeeper of the Whitecaps brought in as a trialist at the, at the end of last week. And it looks like he will be signed by the Vancouver Whitecaps and we will have an announcement tomorrow morning by the team. So that uh, that's curious. It, looking like they wanted somebody to help with the, the pushing and the development of both Isaac Bomber and uh, Thomas Assault because that was something that was really important last year with, with Maxine Herpoe because I remember any time talking to him, he always said, Mm-hmm. I, I don't feel comfortable with my starting role because of all these guys behind me that are they're pushing ahead for my role. So yeah, if uh, if the Whitecaps and Yosef Daha, who is just basically like a goaltending guru, goalkeeping guru, love it. Um, 
if he thinks Cody Cropper is somebody that could could help push Isaac Bomer and and Thomas Assault, then I, I'm really excited about this role. And we'll have to look out for an announcement tomorrow from the Vancouver Whitecaps. I like this move. It's a good middle ground between Thomas Assault and Isaac Bomer. It gives Isaac Bomer someone to reach and try to re-overtake for that, most likely the the, the backup goalkeeping job. And for Thomas Assault, there's not so much of a drop-off now between himself and Isaac Bomer. He's got someone in the goalkeeping camp who's got MLS experience, who's played overseas, who's, I think, 29, and Tom Sassol is 22, something like that. Um, so, you know, there is someone older with more experience in the league. And even though, you know, right now, I, I would be very, very surprised if uh, Cody, the shot stopper cropper, uh, overtakes Thomas Assal. Yeah, I, I would be I would be very surprised to see if he uh, gets overtaken as the number one goalkeeper. But it's it's still that sort of it's a bit like you said it's just a bit more competition than I what Isaac Bomer is able to give. You look at the resume that Crop has had. He's played with New England, Houston, Cincinnati, overseas in uh in Southampton and Ipswich. I believe well, it was Ipswich, right? Right before Ipswich? we start, right before we started this podcast, I went on a really weird Whitecaps wormhole of like teams that played in like the championship. I was looking at like Nigel Rio Coker with a, uh, he was Ipswich as well. There was Sheffield Wednesday and uh, John Thorrington. No, someone was Sheffield Wednesday. John Thorrington was so I don't even know. I've closed the tab and I can't be bothered to reopen it. I went on this really weird wormhole and I was trying to like just look at these weird connections to the championship. Um, but yeah, you know, he's played overseas. He's got MLS experience. I like the move. And this is, this is what I was expecting. This is what, I, this is someone a bit higher level than Max Rawls um, uh, that we saw in, in preseason. This is what I was expecting kind of from the get-go to back up Thomas Assault. Yeah. And we heard from uh, Axel Schuster in, in media earlier in the season that the, uh, the Vancouver Whitecaps were still, in the looks for a, a, a backup goalkeeper, somebody to push them. Mm-hmm. Because like you mentioned, Isaac Bomber is not necessarily a, an established MLS goalkeeper, you know, loaned out to Pacific FC, one, one professional start for Isaac yeah. Bomber. So, it's just not going to cut it. Yeah, he's not necessarily there yet. Um, Isaac, I know, I'm sure you listen to this. Love you, brother. But, you know... Keep keep pushing it with uh, with Joseph, but uh, this is a good signing. And like I said, yeah, look out for the Vancouver Whitecaps to officially announce this on Tuesday, Tuesday uh, March fifteenth. Thank you. Yeah. No worries. And I believe with Cody, the shot stopper, Cropper, and that news. Oh, we're gonna have so much fun with those headlines. Oh gosh, I'm taking. I'm I, I'm getting a, a patent pending for. Uh, I can, I can tell you. Have, I can tell you. Have several already written down. Yeah, <laughs> you're yeah. ready to go. <laughs> what else? You got uh, stopper, uh, blocker. No, that's kind of a stretch. Blocker, cropper. We'll figure it out. And we're gonna be doing this all season long. We're gonna have some awful, awful nicknames, as we always do here on the 90 plus podcast. And I think with all that said and done, that's going to wrap up episode 69. We'll be back midweek to chat the LAFC game on Sunday. Uh, That is coming up as well. Obviously the uh, grand return of Max Capo and Mark DeSantos. And just 
forgotten white cap from the 2019 era to Neil Hunter, who's been great, who's had a bit of a resurgence, went off to Korea, came back to LA, made his first start uh, last week or their most recent game. And yeah, no, good to see him back in the MLS as well. Canadian international. Again, one of those kind of fringe players that, you know, maybe could book himself a ticket to Qatar. Hopefully the uh, Canada will be officially be able to punch their ticket in the coming weeks as we near the international window there. But that is going to do it, I believe, for episode 69. We're brought to you by the Sports Talk Line Network. We are at 90 Plus Podcast on both Twitter and Instagram. And I am at Rigetti Ben, and Josh is at Joshua Griffith Zero on Twitter. So we've got a lot of white caps. I'm now part of the Canuck Sports and Entertainment franchise as well. I start on Tuesday. So by the time Let's you hear, go. yeah, that's my, my my first day will be Tuesday. So I'm looking forward to that. So I'll, I'm sure I'll have some Abby AHL content coming out on there. And Josh is obviously doing. He's got his hands full with the Canucks and the Van Slam podcasts and everything he does with Area 51 and Sports Talk Line and Australia podcasting and just March Madness. March Madness starts on on, uh, on Tuesday. I'm going to lose. I'm going to, I'm going to lose so much money on March Madness. (laughs) No one tells Sebastian. (laughs) That's going to do it. Episode 69. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll talk to you guys in a bit. Peace. Thanks for listening to the 90 Plus Podcast, part of the Sports Talk Line Network.